if you're stressed out about getting the money, like you immediately go back to old behavior. Like, yes. what can I do to get this money? Yes. What, you know what I mean? Like, so it's kind of like they're tempting you. Like, yeah. okay, if you don't have the money and if you can't figure out some way to get it, even if you are working, we're still going to incarcerate you, but you're trying to do the next right thing. Welcome to Kite Line, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on Kite Line, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before starting with this week's theme, we wanted to share some prison-related news and announcements. Indiana has used electric fences around its prisons for decades, as have Massachusetts, California, Alabama, Arkansas, Nevada, and Missouri. In 2006, the Federal Bureau of Prisons installed electric fences at at least seven of its prisons, using the so-called non-lethal legal type, in which the first contact with the fence causes a non-lethal shock, but a second contact results in a lethal shock that is two to three times the voltage used in executions by electric chair. Prisons aren't using electric fences to prevent escapes, which have decreased in recent years, but to cut labor costs. According to Prison Legal News, quote, preventing escapes is often the rationalization to erect electric fences, but reducing employees is the reality after they are installed, end quote. Whether electric fences violate international law is a concern. Human Rights Watch U.S. Programs Director Allison Lael Parker notes, quote, under international law, guards standing on towers or any automated system must weigh whether or not the use of lethal force is strictly necessary. The use of lethal force under state and federal law in the U.S. contradicts international human rights law, end quote. Calling 911 for help can mean death for a mentally ill person. According to The Intercept, police responding to such calls might use lethal force instead of exercising restraint and offering support. In some areas, including New York City, the great majority of such victims of police violence are people of color. As The Intercept points out, studies have shown that nearly half the people killed by police have registered disabilities, with a sizable percentage of them suffering from mental illness. In many countries, trained mental health workers accompany police answering a call about a mentally ill person. The New York City public advocate proposes changing mental health crisis responses to reduce police involvement. One of his ideas is to create a phone number unrelated to the police department for immediate mental health treatment. New York City's 911 dispatchers handled 180,000 calls for mental health help in 2018. Only 22% of New York City police officers have had any training on how to handle mentally ill people. This week, we return to the Breakaway Recovery House to share a conversation between Michael Siegel and four of the women who lived there, Hillary, Janet, Brittany, and Kelsey. All four women Michael speaks to have been on electronic monitoring at some point. They tell stories about their experiences on it and the problems from the high cost to repeated malfunctions to stigma and the need for adequate support systems. These women have all had issues to raise with incarceration as a form of punishment. We shared stories from other women from the breakaway last fall, and now we return as Nicole asks about the end of their time on electronic monitoring and the struggles they encountered. 
how did those experiences end? I did end up completing it. Um, I went to jail three times, though, on it. Um, twice for... Uh, twice for um, the house that I was released to. Um, got the electric shut off. And I continued to stay there. Okay. And um, I was charging it by a generator. <laughs> you were charging it through a generator? Yeah, I was like... We had a generator over there uh-huh. when the electric got shut off. And yeah. So you got violated for that? How is that your yeah. fault? Because it was said, you know, if if anything like that should change, it, it was, you know, it was written down in the rules that we were to maintain electric, you know, utilities, and uh, <clears throat> and that if that changed, yeah, that it was to be reported. I was just, it was a uh, how, uh-huh. you know, it was. The only place I had to stay, I had to uh-huh. stay over in Louisville. Right. They wouldn't let me come home and do it. So, uh-huh. just a friend that I was staying with. Uh-huh. You were violated because your friend didn't pay her electric bill. Well, and you went back to jail They would say that, that yeah. um, yeah, they would, because I didn't report it. Yeah, uh-huh. that basically, okay. yeah, that's the only place I had to go, and they didn't pay their electric bill, electric bill shut up. And you thought the generator would work, but it didn't? It, it was working, but they could just tell that it wasn't being, like, they want you to charge it a certain amount of time each day, and I guess they could tell the battery, you know, the levels, low. and they just realized it wasn't being charged, right? Cause so it was being charged adequately, but not to their standards. Right. All right, Janet, tell us about your experience. I completed mine because it was part of my sentence, and I did uh-huh. 45 days, and then I had four and a half months. Uh-huh. On it, and then I had five years probation. Uh huh. It, it. it was expensive though. Uh huh. How much was it? Ninety eight dollars a week. So that that's more expensive than the um, other two folks who just talked to you before, who were paying eighty four and seventy dollars a week respectively. Yeah. Uh huh. For for four and a half months. Huh? Yeah. Do you still owe it, or did you pay? No, it I all? paid it all. I you did. It, yeah. That's yeah. That's a lot. It was hard because I was working part time, but I got I completed it so. Let me ask you also then, Brittany and Kelsey, are you on electronic monitoring? Have you been on it before? For how long? I was on it before. Back mm-hmm. in 2010, I was on it for six months. Uh-huh. And yeah. Two, six months in 2010. Mm-hmm. And how did that end? Um, I completed it successfully, but it was expensive. It was like $70 a week. Uh-huh. But we had community service where they would pay some of it. We used to go out okay. and do work for them. Uh-huh. I couldn't really afford it, so I had people helping me pay it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you had a support system. Yeah. Yeah. Janet, did you have a support system? My helping? parents helped me and my grandma. Yeah. But on certain weeks, they couldn't do it every week, but yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that seems to be um, one thing that we're learning is that's really, really important is that people who have support networks can sometimes complete the program, and people who don't really can't. Yes. That it's really, basically, the cost is spread out all along people's support networks. Yeah. How about you, Kelsey? What's your experience been? Um, I'm currently on HIP right now for... HIP, Home, home Incarceration yes. Program. Yes. Okay. Yes, um, mine is $100 a week. Oof, that's the most expensive yet. Yeah, I um, I think it's because they put the drug test in with it. Okay. So they drug test me, and I mean, it still would be like 85, you know, 90 without the drug test. Uh-huh. But, um... I don't have a support group whatsoever. My current balance right now is 
almost two thousand dollars. Um, I've been out for f- five months. Five months, two thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. Um, it got caught up. I mean, it got like it started racking up because when I first got out, um, it took me a while to find a job. Right. And then when I did find find a job, you know what right. I mean? Like I yeah had to get caught up on rent. Like that's a big issue. Like you know what I mean? Like if I didn't have nowhere to go, then I would just be back in jail. Then I wouldn't even have to worry about HIV. So I had to pay. <laughs> rent here first and then like I was in jail for a year and I've got a little boy four years mm-hmm. old mm-hmm. and his birthday came and and of course I wanted to do a lot for him because I didn't get yeah. to last year mm-hmm. so there's a lot of things that you know what I mean like he started school for the first year mm-hmm. this year so you know what I mean like I had some things that I had to take care of yeah. um I've always at least tried to give them twenty dollars every week when I go in but when I first got out I got a job at rallies and I got paid every two weeks and I was only making 950 and it was not enough whatsoever um I had applied for insurance at rallies and they cut me off because they said I made too much money what yeah so when I applied for it they ask you like what's your income and then what what do you have to pay for rent? And, you know, I let them know that. And then I also tell them that I had an expense of $100 for probation. They do not include that at all. Like, that's just, they don't include it in insurance. Like, they, or So your electronic monitoring prevented you from getting health insurance. Yeah, because I can't, I make too much money, but then they don't count the money that I'm giving away to probation. Right. So they don't know that, I mean, they know, they just don't care that, I'm having to pay probation, and that's what's stopping me. You know what I mean? Like, I can't. Yeah. And what do I do? Do I stay sick, or do I not go to jail? You know? So, right. I mean, I, of course, have to keep continuing to pay probation, but I just can't afford insurance right now. Like, they tell me I make too much. So, yeah, when I go to the hospital, yeah. it's like $800 a bill that they send me. And it's like, you know, it's really stressful because I'm trying to keep up on everything, mm-hmm. and... I can't really get personal help. Like, I wouldn't be able to go to Life Springs if it wasn't for the house and referral. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I wouldn't be able to go to get therapy and things like that. Or I would, I like, I would have to pay if I didn't have this house. Right. Me, you know. It sounds like the cost is also really stressful to you, and stress is probably also not good for your health. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm currently having this problem with my hand because uh-huh. switch jobs to Waffle House mm-hmm. and I make a little bit more money because there's there was no way I was gonna get caught up and they're not gonna release me off HIP until I catch it up. Oh, and they're gonna keep you on the monitor until you pay it. Yeah. So they're gonna keep you racking up that debt, mm-hmm. which you can't pay until you can pay it. Yes, ma'am. So now yeah. they are just now they're they're incarcerating you because you can't pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll be off in December, and I go to court again for my son in February, and they told me that I could start transitioning him with me once I have him, but I can't do, like, I I would have to go through, I had been evicted for ha- for housing, like, three years ago before mm-hmm. I even had my son, so they're not going to allow me to go back in housing, so when I leave from this house... I have to go next door, which the rent is a little more next. It's like $100 more next door. Uh-huh. And I'll still have to be paying off probation. So when I go back to court in February for my son, 
there's just no way. Like he told me, if I have an apartment and I'm stable, that he can train. Like he could come in. But because of all, like I just there's no, absolutely no way that I'm gonna be able to get an apartment, have him, have money for food. You know, I'm just won't be. I mean, thank God that I'm in his life now, but I just won't be able to have him with me until I get all this worked out. If you were just on your own recognizance without the electronic monitor, could you afford an apartment and get your son back? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I could start looking for one now. I mean, I could be able to save mm. the money that I put towards that. So the electronic that. monitoring is directly preventing you from having your son with you. Yeah. And, um... That is just a slip. That's, that's a hope. so painful. I mean, on top of, I pay $100 a week here. But that would be a hundred more dollars I could have because that's every week. That's a hundred more dollars I could save that, and that would be for you know what I mean. Like that, right? A whole down payment to an apartment, and then what? Um, what is the monitor supposed to be doing for you? Preventing you from reoffending or showing up to a trial? Um, no, it's my sentence. It is your sentence. This is your punishment. Yes, not even. Yeah, I have to complete it, or I have to go start out the rest of my time. So this is just so interesting that I've been hearing, I heard this from the first group too, that these are sentences. So they're not alternatives to incarceration. They are incarceration. They're not about preventing people from reoffending. They're mm-hmm. not about, you know, pre-trial getting someone right, to come. That was part of my sentencing too. It, it was? was yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was too. Huh. So judges are really recognizing that it's a punishment, not yeah. that it's... This, this was my first charge. I'm 21, mm-hmm. and I'm at, before this, I had never been. I mean, it was serious charges, but mm-hmm. um, I had never been. I, I already spent a year in jail, mm-hmm. and they didn't count either. any of it towards. Yeah, I, I was 36 and never been in trouble in my Me. life. Me either. And for nothing. And I know it too. But they said it was because I only lived in Indiana for five months. So they thought you were a flight risk or something. Yeah, because yeah. I was from Kentucky. But I, like I said, I was 36 and never been, I didn't even a speeding ticket ever. So I got, I served 45 days and then four and a half months on that. And then five months, five years probation. Wow. Do you guys have experiences like Kelsey's around the financial burden of it? I have no, absolutely no support group whatsoever. So it's really all depending on me. Like, yeah, it's expensive. I mean, it's hard to come up with an extra hundred dollars a week when you have bills. Yeah, when you have bills and kids, and because my kids were little then too, but now they're grown. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Brittany said it feels overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. Yeah, tell tell us more. Oh, like I would always stress and worry about how I was going to get the money to pay it. And then whenever I go in there and don't have money, I'm always starting to walk me back up and violate me because I didn't have the money to pay them because I was like so far behind. And mm-hmm. I was just overwhelming all the time. I'm just yeah. worrying that I'm going to get walked back up so I can't afford to pay it. And then if you think about that, like if you're stressed out about getting the money, like you immediately go back to old behavior. Like, yes. What can I do to get this money? Yes. What? You know what I mean? Like, so it's kind of like they're tempting you. Like, yeah. okay, if you don't have the money and if you can't figure out some way to get it, even if you are working, we're still going to incarcerate you, but you're trying to do the next right thing. So then you're like, how am I going to get this money? Like, dude, I got to do well, very disrespectful still. things to myself. You know what I mean? You can't go anywhere to do anything. Unless you, you know, 
Sure. And, I mean, I promise right. you there's some things that I can think of right now that right. I can do. Well, right, right. You know yeah. what I mean? It doesn't take a lot of imagination to understand what choices this is pushing people to confront. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy, you know. Yeah. How about you? You have cost issues? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have anybody to help me really. I paid, um, I think mine was 78, 78 a week. $78 a week. And was it psychologically stressful for you too? Yeah. How so? Yeah. Can, you, can you talk about just it? Just like Brittany said, like, I felt like, I, well, they said, you know, I could only get, like, I think it was two payments behind or I'll be incarcerated, you know. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I often hear from people who don't know or people who are like county and city officials is, well, if a person is indigent, they're supposed to have the fees waived. You know, they're supposed to have all these things waived. No, that doesn't happen. No. Right. Just like you get a public pretender and you pay for that as well. It's not for free. It costs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy. You get a what? It's like a public pretender. Public pretender. <laughs> And the whole community service thing, like, I've asked it several several times, and Uh they said they don't know what I'm talking about. They've never done that for anybody, and I've heard, like, one of the girls in the house, she did. Yeah, you were saying that. Well, I know I said something about it, but I was in this building right across the street over here in the back. I'm in Clark County. See, I was in in Floyd County. And she, my probation officer said she don't know what I'm talking about, that they don't do anything like that. And so, I mean, I don't know. I've never, it would be awesome. You know what I mean? If you could do some community service to wipe some of your fees. Yeah, I mean, it helps a little bit, not a lot. It only knocks off like $25. Oh, God. Nothing really did. For how many hours of work? Um, Four, four or five. Four or five hours an hour. Yeah. And the stuff they have you doing is not even for real worth it. What is it? Um, See, we go to the VFWs, and we used to clean those places up and Mm -hmm. wipe all chairs down, countertops, just Mm -hmm. sweep these big old floors and mop them. That's some good labor they're getting out of you for cheap. <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. What about malfunction? Have your devices gotten broken, lost a charge? Oh, have, have they ever, you know, have you ever gotten them too wet or gone inside a building where they couldn't get a signal? Tell me about that. Um, we went swimming, and <laughs> I was told that I couldn't submerge it in water. But then uh-huh. there was another girl that was swimming, and she had a monitor on. Uh-huh. And... So, I mean, I did the same thing, which was kind of my own stupidity. I was locked up for a year, and it was extremely hot. I hadn't been swimming in a long time, so I was like, I'll just get in and then get out. Well, I mean, it was good for about two or three days, but it kept dying, and then it completely stopped taking the battery. So I had to go have it replaced, and they definitely charged me. How much did they charge you? Um, I do believe it was like $50 for mm-hmm. a whole new monitor. What other malfunction stories do you guys have? I was had I had one that plugged into a wall Me too. and it was it wouldn't charge it wouldn't it quit it wasn't I have a signal like taking it it, it just was well, like whenever I plugged it in a light would come on and half the time it wasn't coming on anymore I took it in there and they told me that it's going to take me they told me that that's going to charge me with tampering and there wasn't a mark on it it was no different than when I oh you know when I left with it.
What about um, reactions from people in the street, in a job setting, in a hospital? It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Have you, yeah, tell me about what, how you notice people noticing it and why, how it's embarrassing. Because it's so big and my daughter got married at the courthouse and I had to walk into the courthouse with it on there and she wanted me to wear a dress. I'm like, there's no way I'm wearing a dress with this thing on. Yeah. I mean, because like I said, mine was like twice, two times bigger than that thing. Uh-huh. And it was embarrassing going. I had to work with it and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was uncomfortable because I did housekeeping and I was down on my knees. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's uncomfortable to sleep in. Oh, yeah. Mine's, my Hers leg is, swells yeah. up. Like, because yeah. I've worked 13 days straight like these past two weeks. And they won't loosen it. Like, no. But it was so swollen that this thing wouldn't even turn around. And my, mm-hmm. when my son, like, especially at work and things, like, Sometimes they want you to go to different, like, counties to work, like, mm-hmm. if they're short a server or, or a cook, and I can't do it. I'm like, no. And it's not like, I mean, you kind of have no choice to be like, I can't do it. And then it would be hard to get a job. Like, when I got this job, I didn't want to tell them I was on house arrest. I didn't want to tell them that, mm-hmm. that you know what I mean, I was on, like, had to have, like, CPS. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't want to tell them these things because then, like, who wants to hire somebody mm-hmm. that's on house arrest and has all these things? Like, I can't stay late you know what I mean I can't do extra I gotta get it approved to go to you know what I mean like you have to go to your weekly reportings and yeah I have to have a day off like right and then my son like when he sees it he's like mommy why do you have this on your bed on your ankle I was like it's my bracelet and he's like well take it off I'm like well I don't want to take it off I like it you know like what am I gonna say like I mean and then people do stare a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and I hate when people stare at me, and it's kind of like, mm-hmm. here, take my shirt. Like, <laughs> do you want it? You can have it. Like, it is yeah. like, kind of embarrassing. Like, it's, a, it's a mark of stigma, right? People yeah. project negative things yeah. onto it, and they treat you differently when they see it, and it marks you in a certain way. Yeah. And it has to do with all the stigma that we project onto prison and the experience of incarceration. Yeah, 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 there's a lot of judgment. They it's don't... like people have no idea mm-hmm. what I've done, so immediately they go to the first thing. Hard telling what people think, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, if they know me, then they're going to think the worst. But what can you do unless somebody absolutely comes up to you and it's like, oh, i got to sit and explain all this, you know? Does that happen? Do people come and say, like, explain to me what's going oh, yeah. on here? Especially at work, you know? Really? And then it's like, I mm-hmm. tell them, and they're like, oh, God, I work with you? Like, mm-hmm. oh, God, <laughs> you know? And, I mean, because you can't just be like, oh, nothing, because then they're start talking like, oh, well, she must have some, something going on. She don't even want to tell us about why she's on house arrest. Like, mm-hmm. it just causes a lot of confliction, like, very mm-hmm. unnecessary. Yeah, very, very unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't want to work in that environment. Like, I want to be honest with the people I work with, but then, like, when I tell them, they're not going to let you do certain things. They're, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to be watching you 24-7. Like, I had two counts of armed robbery, three counts of possession. So, it's like, who wants to be working around their register? You know what I mean? What do you think would be a better way to handle your guys' specific situations? What do you think would have been the right thing for you, for the four of you? Um, I feel like I could have done daily reporting, like calling somebody or mm-hmm. going to somebody's office. Right. Or even them coming to the house and drug mm-hmm. testing me. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I know I had high charges, but I'd never been in trouble before. Like, I feel like I should have at least got one chance, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just at least one to see if they could trust that I would be able to complete it. But, yeah. 
I do feel like I should have got David reporting at least for my first offense. Like, they could have done this later. Yeah, do you guys agree with Kelsey? Mm-hmm. Brittany, yeah. you were saying, yeah. What, what were you thinking? The, just the intensive probation where you go in every week and mm-hmm. they drug test you every week. Right. Janet, would that have worked for you, too? Mm-hmm. Do you guys just, do you think it, that it serves any function? I mean, I really don't think so because if you're on house arrest, like, how are you ever going to get ahead in life? Like, if you're on there for a long time, like, especially Lisa's. Right. Well, I mean, she does an amazing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's, I don't see how she could do it, like, 10 years, like, but, like, if. You're talking about, let me just tell people, Lisa Livingston, who runs the breakaway, where we are right now, where you guys live, who's got 10 years and seven months. Yeah. Um, yeah. Electronic monitoring. And she by the end, we'll have paid. Yeah. Yes. Holy crap. By the end, she will have paid $48,000. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord. So, anyway. But I yeah. feel like, how are you supposed to better yourself or even start to adjust to the outside world if you're not even out there? So, like, when you're, I feel like when you, if I wouldn't have gotten myself in this house, I feel like if I was at my mom's house, I would have definitely screwed up. Like, mm-hmm. definitely, yeah. I would have became very overwhelmed, stressed out, and and even if I was to complete it at my mom's house I feel like I would have been so eager to get out there and do something after however long I was on it you know that it's just I'm being set up for failure like I completely feel Mm -hmm. like house arrest is I mean especially if you don't have like they don't offer you nothing like no programs no nothing like to I mean if so I'm pretty sure you had to pay for them like they don't offer you like okay well Get out the house. Like, do that. Do this. Do that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, I can go shopping, but you don't have no freaking money to go shopping with. Like, right. what are you, what am I going to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, it's, I felt like it's, I'm being set up for failure. If I wouldn't have gotten to this house, uh, I feel like anybody else out there, like, mm. is definitely struggling. Except, like, in your, in Hillary's case, like, you, like, some people don't have the option of going to a safe place. Like, some people don't have the option <laughs> to go to somewhere that they know they're going to be okay, they're going to be safe, they're not be triggered by anything, they're not mm-hmm. going to, you know what I'm saying, feel like they're going to do something stupid. Like, thank God that the breakaway accepts people on house arrest to come here because I had no options. I had nowhere to go. So because I don't have any family or anybody that cares about me, mm-hmm. I have to stay in jail. That's a real distinction that, you know, what are we going to say to people who don't have homes or don't have support networks, like, no, you're not, you get longer prison sentences than yeah. everyone else. We're not supposed to have debtors' prisons in this country. Yeah. Hillary, what, what, what does Kelsey mean? She said. Um, like me. Um, yeah. Just where I, I was, you know, I didn't have anywhere else to go, and that's yeah. why, you know, I was saying where we had no electric. Um, there's mm-hmm. just not op- opportunities or options. I mean, when I got on it, it took me, I was on it for two months before they would even give me a job, job search or search where I could go out and search for a job. I had to continuously fight that yeah. for two well, months. They wouldn't let, they wouldn't give you leave to go look for a job, right. and yet you're still racking up all the costs. Right. Um, it's kind of unbelievable. I mean, it's just crazy what people are experiencing. I'm really grateful to you guys for telling your stories because I think people really don't know that this is going on in this way. This has been KiteLine. Anyone can reach us via our P.O. Box, KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. 
You can hear previous episodes of our show at wfhb.org forward slash KiteLine. For more information on the stories we air on KiteLine, check out kitelineradio.noblogs.org. If you or someone you care about has been affected by the prison system, you can call us to be interviewed or to record a message to be played on the air at 812-269-2512. We also want your feedback and to share your story. Feel free to write us at KiteLine at wfhb.org. You can follow KiteLine Radio on all social media platforms. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Please join us every Friday for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our community. Thank you for listening.